But before we do that, I'm going to pray and ask for God to help me and all of us. You can pray with me if you'd like. Let us pray. Mighty God, we give you thanks and praise. We can gather this day, celebrate Christmas, celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who came to save us from our sin, to rule as king over the world, to die and rise again so that we might have life forever. Enable me to speak this good news, with, speak it clearly, faithfully, in a way that's helpful for us all. Open our hearts, Lord, our minds to hear, understand, receive your word, to believe it. Lord, we pray by your spirit you would change us through it. And Father, we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, COVID has impacted us all, us all these last two years, hasn't it? Maybe you experienced, first slide up, please. Maybe you experienced spacing out in front of your computer, trouble sleeping at night. Maybe you know what it's like to wake up in the night with heart-pounding anxiety, too paralyzed to move. Maybe you've been plagued by fatigue every day, almost like you're walking through a swamp full of mud physically and mentally. Psychologist Lisi Puno, Lisi Puno from Singapore, she says that these things are signs of hopelessness, that persistent meh feeling uh, that's in the background of everything we do, or the fear, the thought that nothing will change. This is on top of the lockdowns we've lived through, the COVID cases, job losses, political debates, doing school at home, stuck at home, which has all been tough. One survey I read reported that many elderly people have lost hope for a better tomorrow. Some research suggests that depression and anxiety among children and teens in COVID has doubled. And then we had everything start up again. So many of us, I am still tired, or maybe we're still anxious. Anxious about Omicron or meeting in groups. Maybe just getting to Christmas has been hard after a hard two years. Stan Grant works for the ABC and he wrote last Sunday in an article, I come from a big Aboriginal family and I am dismayed at what I see as a rising pessimism in a new generation of Indigenous people. Amongst some, there is an abandonment of hope. He says it's incongruous that a generation who have enjoyed the rights and privileges unknown to their grandparents have surrendered hope. And it reflects a cynicism that has pervaded society and fractured bonds of family and community and faith, particularly Christian faith. With Christianity receding and many abandoning hope, today's Christmases are not like those of my childhood. And you might be thinking, well, Clint, it's Christmas. Why talk about all this depressing stuff? Because I want to set the scene for the good news that is the Christ in Christmas by, by reminding us of how much we need a rescuer, how much we need hope. According to psychologist Lissy, the basic definition is the belief that things will get better. And she says, we need to find and awaken our hope from within and believe in the powerful self. 
But won't that let us down? And hasn't COVID taught us, taught me, taught you, that I'm not powerful? I'm not in control. Can we have real and lasting hope when the next COVID variant or the next tragedy or bad news comes? Can we have hope in the face of death and when we meet the living God? We need a bigger hope. We need a bigger hope than I can muster, a bigger hope than this world can offer. And the biblical story of Christmas is great news which offers us lasting hope. Never let you down hope. I'm going to have three points this morning from our Bible passage. And the first is Joseph obeys. The book of Matthew is an eyewitness account of the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. Written by Matthew, one of his 12 disciples. And in verse 18 or sentence 18, he tells us how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. And this account is told from Joseph's perspective. And please know this isn't a once upon a time story. No, no, this is a true story. And it starts with Mary who was engaged to Joseph, we're told. Back in first century Palestine, when you got engaged or betrothed to someone, it was a firm commitment a legally binding commitment. It would normally last for a year before you got married. And being engaged was really the first part of marriage. That's why in verse 19, already we're told that Joseph is Mary's husband. Joseph's called her husband, though the word can mean her her man. We're told they haven't slept together, and yet Mary is pregnant. From the Holy Spirit. Matthew doesn't provide details, but please know it's not what Muslims believe we Christians think that that God somehow had a sexual union with Mary to produce and conceive Jesus. No, no, it, it wasn't physical. The power and work of the Holy Spirit has miraculously enabled Mary to conceive an utterly unique human child. And when Joseph discovers she's pregnant, and he could only assume that she'd been with another man, he plans to divorce her quietly. An engagement was so binding you had to get a divorce to break it. Verse 19 says that he was a righteous man, so he really cared about obeying God. But he also really cared about Mary. And so he didn't want to publicly disgrace her and make a scene or or take her to court or have her stoned to death for adultery. Uh, He shows her mercy and compassion. Notice too that Joseph doesn't lash out in anger in a fit of anger. In verse 20, he's taking time to consider how to respond. And it's then that an angel of the Lord comes and speaks to him in a dream. Luke chapter 1 tells us that the angel Gabriel had previously spoken to the Virgin Mary about having a child from the Holy Spirit. And now an angel of the Lord says to Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary home 
as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And when Joseph wakes up from his dream, what does he do in verse 24? Straight away he obeys. We're told he did as God's angel commanded. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until after Jesus was born. And he named him Jesus. Joseph obeyed. Even at great cost to himself and to his reputation, conceiving a child out of wedlock, Joseph obeys God and marries Mary. And in this way, Jesus will be Joseph's legal son, a descendant of King David. I wonder, would you be willing to obey God if it meant doing something really hard? If it meant believing something miraculous? Would you be willing to obey God if it meant enduring embarrassment and shame? Becoming a Christian, a follower of Jesus can involve those things. Obeying God mattered more to Joseph. I wonder if we love God more than our reputation. Trust God more than the limits of what you think is possible. Trust God even when it's hard. Jesus was conceived in Mary by the Holy Spirit. The question is, why has God done this? What's the plan? Who is this Jesus and what's he come to do? As we heard in the kids' talk and the reading, Jesus saves, point two. The angel told Joseph in verse 21, Mary will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Yeshua, Joshua. Joshua means that the Lord saves. The Son of God was born as a man, Jesus, to fulfill what his name means, to save his people from their sins. It's it's why Jesus came. It's why Christmas matters. Jesus coming, though, it also means that people, that we need saving. We need saving. We all need saving. And yet I think most of us have known times when we've thought we can get to God on our own terms or by our own goodness. Or maybe you've thought that if there is a God out there, he'll accept me because I may not be perfect but I'm not that bad. I'm good enough. But but Jesus tells us that we, we can't do it on our own. We aren't good enough. We need saving. We need saving because we've actually done wrong. The, the word for sins used here in the original language describes doing wrong, saying we're all guilty. We've all failed to love others as much as we love ourselves. We'll fail to love God with all our hearts, our mind, our thoughts, our desires, our strength, our actions. I've not loved even those I love most like I love myself. 
The word for sin here, it describes missing the mark. It's like we're archers and God will only accept perfection. God is only going to accept bullseyes, but we all miss the mark. Every one of us in our thoughts and our lives, we miss the bullseye because we fall short of total love for God and generous sacrificial love for others always. I mean, when it comes to loving God and loving others, we're lucky if our arrows even hit the targets. We all fall fall way short of God's expectations for our lives. But it's not like we're a little bit sick and we need a doctor to come and make us better. It's not like we are archers and we just need some more practice or we need Jesus to come and be our trainer to make us a better shot. No. You see, we're in a far more hopeless situation than that. When we fail to meet God's expectations for our lives, when we fail to live his way perfectly, we become sunk, sunk in death and ruin. And we remain sunk in death and ruin until we're restored to life by Jesus Christ, until we're saved by him. You see, our rebellion, our sin, our falling short, it means that we're all spiritually dead. We're actually deserving of judgment. We're excluded from life, eternal life. But in the coming of Jesus, we have a saviour, not just a doctor or a trainer, we have a lifesaver. It's like we go swimming. We get ourselves into a mess in the surf and we go under. And Jesus is the lifesaver who comes, swims to us, reaches down under the water, pulls us up and then gives us CPR to bring us back to life. He's our lifesaver, rescuer. Friends, there is no other. All we need to do, all you need to do is cry out to him for mercy, pray to him, trust in him, ask him to save you. Rely on him, ask him to be your saviour and he will. For in his sacrificial death, Jesus obtains for us a free pardon for our sins, forever forgiveness. Through trusting in Jesus and his death on the cross, we're we're delivered from eternal death and reconciled to God. I don't think I could put it better than Colin Buchanan in that song that we just sang. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the saviour. You can come to him today. Jesus saves. Jesus saves people from their sin. You will find forgiveness when you put your trust in him. Well, if you come to God and you still have time, you know, he will wash your sinful heart, make it white as snow. Come, taste eternal life 
Death will have no sting. All who trust in Jesus are the children of the King. Kids and grown-ups, that is a song worth memorising. There is good news. And when we believe that and when we know it's true, it's something that gives us hope. Hope, doesn't it? Even in sickness, in weariness, in darkness, the good news of Jesus coming and dying to save us from our sins is something that gives us real hope, life-changing, lasting hope. Because as people saved by Jesus, if he has saved us, we know where we're going. We will know perfect joy and peace. And we know that perfect joy and peace in God's presence is coming in heaven. This world is not as good as it gets. No matter what we endure in this life, this life is not all there is. We've been saved. And so even in pain or in weariness now, we can rejoice. Rejoice with hope. But Jesus didn't just save us and leave us. The third point is Jesus is God with us. Looking back at the passage in verse 22, the, the author Matthew says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophets. God promised this through, the, through Isaiah, his name was, 700 years earlier. A 700-year-old prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that the virgin will become pregnant, give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So not only will a virgin give birth to a son, but that son will be called Emmanuel. It wasn't Jesus' name as such, but, but he fulfills this. It truly describes who he is. For Emmanuel is from a, a Hebrew word that means God is with us. Think for a moment how big that is. How big that is. Jesus Christ is, is no less than God himself. When Jesus comes and speaks, God comes and speaks. In Christ, God is actually present with his people. Jesus is no mere teacher or prophet or guru. He's no mere Muhammad or Gandhi. He's God with us. And that's what the wider New Testament says about Jesus too. Like in in Colossians chapter 2, we're told the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. Now you might think, oh, that was nice for the people of Israel 2,000 years ago, but what about us? He's not here now, is he? But you see, after Jesus died and rose again, and before he ascended, to heaven, he promised this. I am with you always to the very end, to the end of the age. Jesus promised to be with his people, all who've trusted in him, always. Jesus is bodily in heaven, but his spirit, the Holy Spirit, is with us. 
if he is our Lord and Saviour. Jesus was and is truly God, truly human. He was God with us. He is still God with us. Christ is with us. He does not say, I will be with you, but I am with you. It's emphatic. And so if you've trusted in Jesus to save you, then he has promised that he is with you. If you believe that, if you know that, what should that change for you? How will that affect your life? Well, when you know that the God of the universe has come to you in his son, loved you and died for you, that he is with you, then you can hang in there and you can endure. When I know that Christ is with me and promises to strengthen me in the face of whatever COVID brings, whatever life brings, I can face it with hope. At 25, Tina was very lost and lonely. She'd been drug addicted for 10 years, been arrested again, and she thought something's got to change. When she was released from prison, she stood at the train station and she knew she had a choice. She could go back to her dealer or she could go back to her parents. Tina says, I chose my parents and I believe that God helped me to turn the right way. The very next day, I went to the Fresh Start Recovery Clinic and asked the Christian doctor to pray for me. He prayed and I felt peace come over me. I went to a Christian meeting that week with the staff, the clinic staff, and it was weird. They were singing songs and talking about Jesus. And I thought, who is this Jesus Christ? Through Keith, the chaplain at the clinic, my eyes were opened. There was no lightning bolt, but I saw that the Christians around me, they were gentle, peaceful, loving, they didn't care what I, where I came from. That is what I wanted. Keith kept sending me sermon tapes every week. Kids, you might need to ask your parents what a tape is. Tina said, I started to read the Bible more. I began speaking the name of Jesus, especially when I was trying to quiet the noise in my head. I found that it brought peace and I could feel his presence through the Holy Spirit. That is our Jesus who calmed the storm when he was with his disciples. He's the same Jesus who calmed the thunderstorm in my life. Tina graduated from her recovery program in 2006. She now helps others. In 2010, she got married to Dave Gunter. She said, over the last eight years, I've realized we all have the same kinds of emotional issues. But we find different outlets to try and meet our needs. I learned that no matter what our situation, what we really need is to have God in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. And that's true. 
We do all need Jesus. He's the one who can change our lives. He's changed mine. So will you trust in him today? The Christ who came that first Christmas saves us from our sin and he is with us so we can have hope. If you need hope, put your trust in Jesus. Keep trusting in Jesus who is with you and he will give you a a lasting and never let you down hope. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the peace, the eternal life, the joy and hope and forgiveness that we can experience because of Jesus and through trusting in him. Pray, God, that you might help us to know that where we feel and know our sin, where we sense our hopelessness, where when we know we need saving, help us to turn to Jesus and find life in him, salvation in him, rescue in him, hope in him. We pray for the people of our nation that you would bring many more people to find salvation and never let you down hope in Jesus. And Father, we pray this in his name. Amen.